Thank you for choosing our podcast. This is truly an exciting time for City Lights Church, and we are seeing God move in extraordinary ways. For more information on how you can get plugged into what God is doing at City Lights or to financially partner with us, just visit us on the web at citylightsac.org. Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. No, the, yeah, I told them in the first service, I, I know that's, that's a creepy video for sure. I know it is, especially after hearing such a beautiful song like Holy Spirit. Hey, if you think the worship team sounded good this morning, let's give them some love. Hey, so we are in a series called Five Lies of the Devil. We're in week four this morning, and um, I want to just give you a quick recap so you can catch up with this. You can always um, listen to a message on our podcast, our website, citylightsac.org, or you can search us on iTunes to, to kind of catch up. Because really, if you weren't here last week, this one may not make as much sense. It'll still be relevant and applicable to you. But last week really set this week up. But we, we talked about uh, in the first week that one of the main lies the devil tells us that it's no big deal. And that, that is what's basically for us the bottom line for this series, the sermon and the sentence for us, was that uh, the devil wants to take what's important to God and make it irrelevant to us. And so he told us the first week, the big lies, that it's no big deal. It's no big deal if we just are kind of half-hearted Christians or if we don't really follow him with everything we have. It's, it's no big deal. It's the same thing he told Adam and Eve in the garden, right? It's no big deal. You can eat from that tree. I mean, did God really say that? And in the week two, we talked about the power of our words. We talked about how there was life and death in them. We basically, we debunked the lie that the enemy says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words actually do hurt me. And whoever came up with that's a liar themselves, right? That's then last week we talked about that um, I am rich. We, the devil wants us to believe the lie that we're not rich. If anybody was in here last week that heard that message, left here feeling rich, raise your hand and talk about it. Yeah, I mean, it was just a good, good, incredible time for us. Got a lot of good response from you all. And then this week we're in part four and we're talking about the lie that he wants us to believe that it's my money. It's my money. So last week, listen, I told everybody that this was not a message about giving and everybody was totally into it. But this week it is about giving, so I hope you're still totally into it, okay? But I think it's going to be a different perspective of giving because how many of you, and let's just be honest, you've been to those churches where like they, you know, the pastor was so like condemning, convicting that you felt like two things were going to happen. If you didn't give, you were going to hell. And if you didn't give, they were losing the building. Anybody ever feel like that? That's not what's happening here this morning. Because first off, we don't own this building, so we can't lose it. And you're not going to hell. Not based upon you not giving, Okay. And so what I want to do is this. I want to give you a new perspective. It's Scripture, but through the lens of Scripture, just a new perspective. And I want to say this. I've not always been a pastor, and so I've been on your side as a Christ follower and heard someone like me stand up here and talk. And so two things I want you to know. I'm not here to judge you. And if you're in Christ, you're already good with God. Amen? Amen. That's what makes you right with Him. What we're talking about today is a step of obedience, and we want to debunk the lie that the enemy will tell us, hey, that's my money, man. That's my money. I work hard for that. And so what I want to do is this. Typically, I don't really read as much Scripture as what I'm going to this morning, but I know some of y'all are really big sinners, and so I wanted to read a lot of Scripture to you today so when you left, you felt holy. Uh, I want to just set this up for us, and I'm going to look at just a couple of them as we're going through. Um, and... Uh, and we'll just, I think God's got a strong word for us today. But let me say this before I get going. Derek, our church plant intern, mentioned this at the beginning of the service. We have a version event. If you have a, um, a smartphone and you have the version Bible app on your phone, right now you can open that up, click on more, click on event, and City Lights Church will pop up. And every scripture I'm reading this morning, other notes for you to take for yourself are in there, and you can follow along right from your phone. Um, in fact, we started leaving that up for like 72 hours now, so that's going to be up till Wednesday. So if I say something that's so awesome and you're like, I've got to hear that again Tuesday morning, you can pull up those notes again and follow along. So I want to just encourage you to do that. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. There's one out there at a guest services table, but also they'll be on the screen. So we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 this morning. There's a guy named Paul. Many of you have heard him, the Apostle Paul. He was a church planter. That's what you're at today is a church plant. A group of us got together in my living room and began planting the gospel. And then if you meet people today that are wearing orange volunteers of the Gray Volunteer Church, now our church is growing. And we have people who have been attending here for, you know, our church is two years old and four weeks. And we've had people attending from the very beginning. So that's what this is, is a church plant. There's a guy named Paul. And he is writing to his church in Corinth. And he is talking about the generosity that a particular church displayed. And that's what I want to read you. It is lengthy, um, but you can handle it because you're smart in here. I was told, I'm not sure if it's true, but all the smart people come to the 11 o'clock service because they needed to rest their minds this morning. So is that true? 
This side's like, yeah, we're smart. They're like, okay, I don't know, yeah. So, all right. Well, hang with me. So this is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Paul writing, said, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in His kindness has done to the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested in many troubles, and they are very poor. But we're not poor here, right? City Lights, we're rich. Amen? Listen, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. How many of you know when the joy of the Lord is in you, you can't help but to be generous outward, right? With, with your time, your talents, and your treasure. Treasure. I'm not just talking about money here. I'm talking about your time. You're going to love on people. You're going to, you're going to be the expression of Christ. So please pay attention to that, that they, had, they were filled with joy, and it came out in rich generosity. Verse 3, For I can testify, Paul writing, that they gave not only what they could, but far more. And they did it out of their own free will. Let me say this. There is a great need for the church in Jerusalem, and Paul's writing to these people. And it says they gave out of their free will. How many of you, and don't even raise your hand, just do a self-inventory, self-diagnostic. You felt like if you come to church and you didn't give, that God was going to be mad at you. And that you and God weren't good if you didn't give. You're missing the point. Let me just apologize on behalf of the Capital C Church and many pastors and many other Christians because we have made giving something more about religion than a relationship, and I'm just sorry for that, that if you've experienced that, that if you've ever gave out a guilt or you didn't give and you felt guilty, that's probably up to you, but that you're, what makes you right, please don't miss this, what makes you right is the cross, not how deep your wallet is. You need to know that. They gave out of their own free will because they loved him. Listen to verse 4. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing. This church considered a privilege to give. Also take special note that they begged to give. Now, I've never met anyone, unless you're here this morning and you're begging, saying, Pastor, I want to give to the church. You don't have to beg. Just go ahead and do it, okay? <laughs> now listen, I want you to think about this. This church, they're begging to give. Have you ever begged someone, be like, I just want to give? Now, you may have begged for money, but have you ever begged to give? Do you see how radical that shift is? Like, they, they knew that partaking in this was being Christ-like. They did this on their own free will. They, Paul didn't pressure them. And you, you must go back and read and, and understand that they had the joy of the Lord in them, and it caused them to be generous. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing. Like, we get to do this. Amen, anybody. Like, we get to come to church today. You don't, not, you don't have to be here today. You get to follow Jesus. He is not a mechanical dictator up there making things like this right here. Now, He is sovereign and in control, but you're more than an instrument of His divine will. You have a purpose and a plan. Is it okay if I preach this morning? Amen. 9.30 didn't want it. All right? They were too spiritual, but I have a feeling that you guys can handle it. Listen to verse 5. It says, They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. If you take notes... If you're on U version, if you're writing on your connection card, you need to write just verse 5 or a little star by it. We're going to come back to it at the end, but that's really, really important. Verse 6 says, So we have urged Titus, Titus was a pastor, who encouraged your giving in the first place to return to you and encourage you, listen to this, to finish the ministry of giving. In a lot of ways, I feel like Titus this morning. As the pastor of this church, I realize that my job is to encourage you. It's not to pressure you. It's not to convict you. That's the Holy Spirit's job. It's certainly not my job to condemn you. It's to teach you. And so Titus went there to educate them and to encourage them. And that's what I feel like my job is this morning. Not just this morning, but every week. It's to encourage you, to lead you, to teach you. And listen, he says, to finish the ministry of giving. See, sometimes we feel like giving is just such a, a thing of the past or it's like not even relevant to us, but here we see it's a ministry. It's a ministry to give. Listen to verse 7. Since you excel in so many ways, he's talking to the church, in your faith, your gifted speakers like Pastor Peyton. I'm not sure why you laughed at that. I was being serious. I'm kidding. Your knowledge, listen, your, listen, giving is important. But he says your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, listen, I want you to excel also in the gracious, say it with me, act of giving. Let's try it again. I want you to also excel in the gracious act of giving. How many of you, don't raise your hand, you think giving is about an amount? But it's the act. 
Listen, true generosity comes from your heart, not your wallet. Amen? Amen. And that's why, listen, that's why sometimes we feel guilty because we know the Bible teaches 10%. And when we don't give that, we feel guilty because we're making it about an amount. And that is the standard that God has set. I think you're going to see some interesting things in here. But even before the amount, you must understand it's the act of worship that matters. That's what matters. Verse 8. I am, listen, this is interesting. He says, I am not commanding you to do this. Well, then why are you even saying this, Paul? But I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of other churches. Verse 9, you know the generous grace our Lord Jesus Christ, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, though he was rich, yet for your sakes, you need to just put your name there. Though for you, Anthony, yet for you, Matt, yet for me, For me, because it's a relationship, he became poor. So that by his poverty, he could make you rich. Is anybody glad that Jesus took our price? He paid our price and took our place and we get to benefit from his death? Verse 10, here's my advice. So interesting, in verse 8, I'm not commanding you. Now in verse 10, he's saying, but here's my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Remember, he's talking to a church here. Verse 11, Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. This is interesting here. Give in proportion to what you have. You may not have caught it, and you may not have noticed it, and you'll see it in just the next couple of verses, or you won't see it, is that Paul never mentions a specific amount. Can we all understand what Paul is talking about here? He's talking about giving, right? But isn't it interesting he never mentions an amount? Because it's an act of worship from the heart. And he even says here, give in proportion to what you have. That's interesting. You need to take note of that because, well, it's important. You need to take note of it. I'll come back to it. Verse 12, listen to this. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Now listen, this is where this is really, really important. Because there are times we give and we don't give cheerfully and we don't give eagerly. Like I've, people, I've seen people, I've seen the offering go around sometimes and they're just like... And I'm like, well, you can't, are you mad because you can't go buy your marble lights today? Or what's up, man? I mean, you shouldn't eat, you're missing the point if you give like that. That's not what it's about. You're missing the point. He says to give eagerly. We get to do this. this is, I think it's really important that he says, give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Listen to verse 13. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. What he's saying here is this, is that in this room, at the 9.30 service, at other churches in the world, there are all different types of backgrounds here. There are all different levels of education. There are people that make more money. There are some people that make less money. And so when we give here, the giving will not be equal, but there can be equality of sacrifice. Does that make sense? So it's not necessarily about the amount that this person over here gives or how much you give. It's that we have an equal sacrifice in the game. In the game. Verse 14, right now you have plenty because you are rich. Right now you have plenty and you can help those who are in need. Later they will have plenty and share with you when you need it. Listen, in this way, here it is again, things will be equal. And then verse 15, he's quoting back in Exodus here. He says, as the scriptures say, those who gathered a lot had nothing left over and those who gathered only a little had enough. I know we have some lighting things going on here. It's the Holy Spirit moving, okay? He's trying to get your attention. But I want you to hang with me just for the next little bit because what I want to do is this. I had an incredible conversation a couple weeks ago about this and then I began studying it and thinking about it and then kind of tweaking some things that were really applicable to me. And I want to teach these to you. There's two cycles that I want to teach you this morning that I think are going to help you financially. Because listen, it doesn't, the 10% is really important, but how you treat the other 90% is really what matters as well. Because uh, we're called to be good stewards of our 
finances. How many people know that? Not just what you give to God, but like you need to be a good steward of other things. And so I want to show you two cycles that I think will help you live rich, that will help you also determine that it's a lie to say that it's my money, God. It's my money. I work hard for it. I put up with my boss. I get up early. I go to work. I think we're going to say that that's a lie. So here's the first one, okay? This, this first cycle we'll see is, I want, I want you to think about when it comes to our money, what we try to do is accumulate. We try to accumulate. Now, how many of you know somebody, you're sitting beside somebody, or you are somebody that there's never enough money? They always want more and more and more. Can anybody raise their hand and say you know somebody like that? Some of you are nervous because you're like, it's me. You don't have to tell on yourself, act like it's the person sitting beside you. Or be like, yeah, I saw their post on Facebook, buddy. They're greedy. That's what we do is we try to accumulate. We try to get more and more and more and more, right? Because that's what our culture is. That's what society says do. That's the American dream, to have more. A bigger house, a nicer car, more property, a bigger boat, this, that, and the other. And we just are always chasing the dollar. Always chasing, trying to accumulate more and more and more. I know this happens with like single moms and single women, so I'm not trying to be anything like that. But specifically, it happens with men a lot because um, when it comes to this accumulation, because men feel like we're the protector, we're the provider of our home. Like we want to protect our family, we want to give provision for them. And so a lot of times what men will do in their families is they will begin to just work, work, work. They're a workaholic. And what they'll do is they'll sacrifice their family to chase the dollar. And they justify it by saying, hey, I'm just providing for my family. And I can tell you from experience with my wife, she would rather have a whole lot of me and a little, le- little less money than a whole lot of money and a little less of me. Amen? Y'all didn't like that. I told them in the first time, I was like, that sounds like a country music song. I just made it up off my head. <laughs> Valerie, we could write a song off that. We're always chasing the dollar. We want to accumulate. That's our culture. And that's when we believe the lie that it's my money. Yeah, I'm going to work hard for it. I'm going to build it up. It's my money. I work hard for it. And here's what happens after that. In this cycle, when we begin to accumulate, when we begin to believe the lie that it's my money, then we want to enjoy it, right? Who all is good at enjoying money? If I gave you $1,000, who could go have a good time today? The rest of you are liars. You know you could. Or you need somebody to give you $1,000 one. I'm not sure. So we accumulate, and then we want to enjoy, right? Like vacations, cars, toys, clothes, Hobby Lobby, whatever it is. And I want you to know this. In Christ, if you're a good steward, man, you should enjoy your money. You should take vacations. It's okay to, like my wife and I, we love to go out to eat. You should go out and eat. You should enjoy your money. But what happens is in, you're in this particular cycle, and you'll see the cycle leading up, what I'm talking about. When you accumulate and you're just gathering and gathering and gathering and gathering, you immediately want to enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. So you, you go out and buy a car that you can't afford. Or you buy more house than you really need. And then the third thing is this. Then you begin to have to repay, right? And it's all fun and games until we get here, right? So we start getting those monthly credit card bills. We have to start stroking out those car payments, that house payment. You know, and then what happens is this, is we're really good at accumulating and enjoying, but not all of us are responsible about repaying, so we go out and get more line of credit. We get more credit cards, we get more debt, we borrow more money, and it's just like an endless cycle. We're really good at accumulating, we're really good at enjoying, but when it comes to this repay part, this stinks, right? Like it stinks to be an adult sometimes, Right? So here's what happens then. As we're believing this lie, it's my money, I accumulate, I enjoy, and I have to repay. Well, when it gets to this one, save, man, you feel like there's nothing left there to do. I can't save any money, right? Has anybody said this or heard this? I'm barely making it as it is. So you, there's nothing left for you to save. And if there is any there to save, it's very little, and you don't even know how you can begin to make it if you start saving that. And let me tell you one of the reasons I know about this particular cycle is because I've lived it. Even as a Christian. I say even as because sometimes there's this misperception that we have it all together. And really what I like to say is, no, we know we're jacked up. That's why we need Jesus. If you know you're jacked up, then you're at a good church. If you think you're perfect, I will probably ruin it for you in the next visit or two. So, 
So we live in this cycle. We want to accumulate. We want to enjoy. Then we have to repay. Then we try to save. And we think, man, how can I ever? I can't save anything. There's barely anything left. But then we begin to stall here. But here's where we really pause out is the next one. We'll begin to try to tithe. Because you feel like, dude, I, there's no, I can't save anything. And there's no way I can tithe. There's absolutely no way. There are three things I think that are, are relevant for everybody in here. If you'll hang with me. Common ground, rather. There are three reasons people don't tithe, okay? Now, listen, I'm not judging you. I don't know your financial situation. I don't know how much you have give or have not, okay? So this is not about that. This is about one man in Christ trying to teach his people the importance of being obedient, okay? That's what this is. There's three reasons people don't tithe. The first one is this, and it's kind of part A, part B. You don't understand it. Or it's just not relevant to you. You believe the lie. It's my money. It's like, why should I? Why should I give any of it? It's my money. You don't understand that it's more than just like giving an amount. It's worshiping God and giving Him back. You don't think it's relevant? Like, that's, surely that's Old Testament. I mean, I know Jesus said something one time to the Pharisees about you tithe. And, but is it even relevant to me? I mean... It's the 21st century. My church meets at a physical therapy center. I mean, really, you know. The second thing is this. It's either you don't understand it, it's not relevant to you. Uh, number two is that you don't think you can afford it. Because if you're in this cycle, you accumulate, you enjoy, then you repay, you know you can't save, and you get to tithe. And here's the truth. This is what I know to be true. Some of you, literally, you can't afford to tithe you know that even if you wanted to, you can't, only because you went this way in the cycle. I heard an old preacher used to tell me, you can't afford not to tithe. But I know literally, and I'm just being honest with you, and nobody knows, so you don't have to get squirming in your seat, and be like, he looked at my bank account this morning. I know some of you literally, you can't afford to tithe because you're going the wrong way around the cycle. And so then what happens is this, guilt sets in. And then what happens is this. You think that your giving is in relationship with God, coincide. So when the offering goes around, you give a little bit. And you just hope that you and God are good. But you're missing the point. I've said it already. What makes you good with Him is what He did on the cross. And then what happens, Paul told the church, he said, remember, give out what you have. Don't give out of what you don't have. But when you get in this cycle, you begin to give out of what you don't have. And you feel like, I can't. It's not relevant. You don't understand it. You don't feel like you can afford it. And then the third thing is this, and this is going to hurt those of you who are like Christians, and, but you just don't trust Him. And, and I've learned that from my own experience. You just don't trust. And I know that's hard to hear because you may say, I love Jesus. and He's my Savior. And I praise God if He is. But you just don't trust and I wanted to, there's this 16th century theologian named Martin Luther. Listen to what he said. He said, I have held many things in my hands, and I have lost them all. But whatever I placed in God's hands, that I still possess. Amen? Like what you give to Him, you don't lose. And I feel like I could have said this. I almost put my name up here. <laughs> Took credit for it. What we give to Him, and that's what you do. Like when you, you don't just give to City Lights, you're giving through Him because this is His church. I am the pastor, we have leaders and volunteers, but this is His church. We're His bride. So you give through this church to His kingdom in this ministry. And Martin Luther says, what I've given away, I've never lost. And so this cycle that we're talking about, this accumulate, enjoy, repay, save, tithe, this is called the cycle of poverty. This is the cycle of poverty. You never, ever get out of it. I know this is a cycle of poverty because I found myself living here. Let me show you this, what happens in this cycle of poverty. You accumulate, you're really good at it. Or you really have a desire to be good at it. No one in their right mind cannot not enjoy money. I mean, it's just easy to do. Then here's kind of where it gets a little tricky because some of us are responsible in repaying, some of us are not. And here's what happens. When it gets to this save, you really don't feel like you can do it. 
And when it gets to this, you don't think you can afford it. So what happens is this. Listen, church. You basically, you cut these off, and after repay, you go right back to accumulate. Amen? Just a vicious cycle. And I've been there. I've been there. And I'm not just saying that so you feel good. Sometimes we do that. Sometimes we lie just to make you feel good. I'm being honest. But I've been here. I really have. You cut these off, and it's a cycle of poverty. You just go over and over and over, and it's more line of credit, and it's default, and it's bankruptcy, and just all these things that you don't even want to be in that situation, right? You don't even want to be there, but you find yourself there. So here's what I want to just show you then. I want to show you one word that will replace accumulate, and if we change the cycle, how much our lives can change. There's accumulate, enjoy, repay, save, tithe. That is the cycle of poverty. However, instead of starting off with accumulate, if you start off with dedicate. I'm going to dedicate everything that God gives me. If I work 20 hours a week waiting tables in a school, in college, if I work 50 hours a week on the line, if I'm a welder, if I'm a nurse, if I'm a pro wrestler, I'm going to dedicate everything God gives me because every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. Everything. So I'm going to dedicate what you give me, God. I know that I worked for it, but Deuteronomy tells me that you give me health. You give me the ability to work and to serve. And so I'm going to dedicate what you give me. And then here's what happens is this. When you dedicate, and let's just pull up this next one. This is called the cycle of promise. When you dedicate first, then you tithe, then you save, then you repay, then you enjoy. That is the cycle of promise. And so let me say this. Like at my house, and I'm being totally honest with you. We have been living this way for several months now. now like, we've been kind of back and forth. And, but what I guess what I'm saying is it's been a little longer than that, but we are st- really trying to get strategic about this. We've had no problem doing this. We've had no problem really doing this, but we are trying to get better at this. We've done this. We are doing this because we started out our lives in a relationship going the other way, right, when you're young and dumb. Sometimes you stay old and dumb. <laughs> And so, like, this is it. This is our order. And we know that this is the cycle of promise. When we dedicate that what we have, God, we know it's from you. We want to use it for you. This is the cycle we live by. So, like, a lot of times I wonder, I don't even know this, but I know there's, like, this misconception that, like, do pastors tithe and do they give? Or is, like, are they, are they in God good since he works for him and all that? No, we give too. Because we love to give. It's just a part of what we do. We just give. And I don't say just in, like, in terms of like it's motionless or meaningless. But I know like every month, you know, we have a minimum amount we're going to give. And most likely, we're always going to go above that if we can. And because we try to do this, nearly every year, every month I've pastored this church, I don't think I've given just 10%. Let me tell you something kind of a little strong. When we first started this church, it was me and like four other people. And for a season, I asked them to tithe 20%. Now, would you come to this church if the rule was you had to tithe 20%? I don't know. It's in, giving is important, and I love to give too because I'm a Christian, not just because I'm a pastor. But let me also flip the script a little bit. I give because I want to. I give back because I've been given much, but I also give so that I can stand up here with integrity. And you can know that about me. I will make mistakes. I will say things that hurt you. But I'm doing my best to lead from example up here. When you dedicate it, you tithe, then you save, then you repay, you enjoy. That is the cycle of promise. And the cycle of promise comes from basically Malachi 3.10. And that says this. God is talking about bringing the tithe to the storehouse. This is God speaking. He says, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Listen to this. It's almost like he's provoking. Try it. Put me to the test. Did you know uh, out of over 30,000 scriptures in the, Testament, in the Old and New Testament from Genesis to Revelation, here is the only time that God says, test me. And like, you want to test him in every other way except this one, right? Right? 
And here he says, listen, I want you to just hear this. Listen to the language. I will do it because he's sovereign. Who else, who else alone but God can bless us? Who else alone but him? I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Well, just come on in then and take it over. Is what I want. Come on in and take it over. I want that blessing. And you know what? Sometimes, I'm not sure why this happened in the church, but like we feel bad for like claiming God's promises. We felt, it's like almost like we sound like we're mean or like we're stuck up or arrogant. But I'm like a huge fan. Like you need to begin speaking God's promises. You need to speak them and say, yeah, you know what? I'm going to begin giving faithfully because I want that blessing. I'm not giving to get the blessing, but when I give, I get the blessing. Right? I, w- I want that blessing so, so much that you poured out over me, God, and I'm going to try it. I'm going to test you with a holy and, and, and a respectful you know, honoring of our king, but I know that he can provide. I mean, this is the same, listen, the same God who spoke creation to an existence is now saying that very same God that you're in awe of, that you read about in Genesis, is the one saying, hey, if you'll just be obedient, I'm going to open up and do something in your life, David, that you've never seen before, that you can't do, that no church can do, that no drug can do, that no social media outlet can do, that no nothing, only I can do it. I want that blessing in my life. We, we talked about, you know, man, there's something going on in the Christian world that's crazy to me. And it's like, hey, yeah, I'm a Christian and I can't wait to get to heaven. Well, that's great for you, but what about today? Right? What about today? I mean, Christ, listen, Matt, Christ didn't just die on the cross so we could go to heaven. He died on it so we could experience His fullness today. And we don't, we don't live in that fullness. Like our, our theme is, I can't wait to get to heaven. Well, what about today? What's good in your life today? What is God doing today that's good? Are you giving Him any glory for today? Listen, it's great that you're going to get to heaven. That's awesome. But what about tomorrow morning when your kids are acting like hellions and you've loved your wife the day before and the next day you're, think, you know, you're thinking about homicide? <laughs> where is Christ's power in you then? I know I'm talking to you. I know you receive it because that's the reality. God wants us to live in fullness today. He doesn't want to just bless us when we get to heaven. He wants to bless us today. That's the God we serve. And just let me be clear. That is not the prosperity gospel. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wants you to experience His fullness today. And one way you do that is by stepping into the cycle of promise. You dedicate it. God, I'm going to give back to you because I'm rich. Not only am I going to give back to you, but I'm going to be a good steward of everything else you've given me. And I'm going to be generous with it as well. I'm not going to hoard it all to myself, but I am going to have fun. I'm going to take vacations and I'm going to buy nice things. That's okay. Listen, that is okay. Don't feel guilty for that. But honor Him with what's His. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we read about Paul talking to the church and encouraging them to give. And, then, and just the, the next chapter, I want you to hear these, a couple of things that he says to them after he's encouraged them to give. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're, we're winding down. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. Paul says, You must each decide in your heart how much to give. There again, he never specifically mentions an amount specifically. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Listen, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Listen, if you're sitting on this side of the room and you make more money than this side of the room, God loves you no more than the person who gives less over here. Or He loves you no less. It's not about your amount. It's about your heart. That's what it's been. For some reason, the church has made it about something else that's legalistic and religious and almost pharisaical, modern-day Pharisee. It's about your heart. He never even mentions, but he says, you need to decide. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Verse 8, and God, listen, will generously provide all you need. God will generously provide all you need. Listen, then you will always, I'm so glad that doesn't say sometimes, or when I deserve it, or when I earn it. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Because Malachi 3.10 promises that if we step out in obedience and begin taking steps, that He'll bless us. He will bless us. Now, listen, I want to just share a couple things with you, okay? I want to share some stats with you about our church. For those of you who are first-time guests here, I just want you to hear. I'm talking to, my, to our home crowd today, okay? 
If you're a guest here today, then you should know we're a church that's moving and we have high expectations because we believe in a big God. But I'm talking to our home crowd today. This is our fourth week in this new location. We met at Clinton High School for a year prior to this. But we believe that we need to begin planning and preparing for buying a permanent home. That is not the means to the end, and this is a whole other sermon. But we're not, we don't want to buy a building so that we can be a church that's stagnant. Here sits the church at Clinton Physical Therapy Center. Wherever this group of people go is where the church is at. It's never a building. God's promises have always been for people, not His places, okay? Amen? Amen. But we know that that is an opportunity for us to minister to our community and do more. So we want to do that. And part of that is we want to start a capital campaign. If you're from like, you know, traditional church, we call that a building fund, okay? We want to start that. But I begin looking at some things, and I begin thinking about this. And I want to just share some statistics with you. Some should blow your mind, because they did mine. Listen to this. If every person in our church made, listen, $200 a week, if every person in our church made $200 a week and faithfully tithed off of that, listen to this, our monthly offerings would increase by $2,500. That means in four months we could save $10,000. If everybody in here just made $200 a week and gave faithfully off of that, we would see an increase of $2,500 a month. According to the Federal Poverty Guidelines for 2016, they, they set and determine what poverty level is in America. I did some research. If every family in our church, and you must remember, this is 11 o'clock service, so all you see are these people beside you, but we did this earlier at 930. So our church is not what you just see. It's bigger than what you can see. Somebody should just jump to the roof right there, and I about did, but okay. <laughs> I'll celebrate it by my own self. According to the Federal Poverty Guidelines for 2016, if every family in our church tithed off of a poverty income, listen to this, this is crazy, our church budget would go from about $100,000 to $184,000. If everybody in here lived off poverty and you tithed off of that, our income would basically double. It's actually a little bit more than that. So I wanted to say this to you. We don't necessarily have to even do a big capital campaign if our church just started giving, we could do it. We could do it. But it boils down to this. Do you trust Him? Do you understand it? Will you step out and take that next step with Him? This is pretty remarkable too. If every person in our church... Every person that calls this place home. Listen, if every person in this church gave an extra $10 a week, okay? If every person that calls this place home gave $10 a week, in six months, we could save I mean, we don't even have to. We don't have to have a building fund. We just need our people to say, "God, here I am. Use me." If we would just step out in faith and say, "God, listen, I want to be like the churches in Macedonia. I want to be written about the people and say, hey, that church at City Lights is ridiculously generous. It's crazy.'" So like we don't even have to have this huge drive where we, you know, take up this, you know, campaign forever and two years and three years and how churches do it and, and all this. If we just begin being obedient. Ten dollars a week and sit next spring, we'd have thirty thousand dollars. So here's where we come up with this. Immediately, you begin to think, most likely, some that are skeptical. Man, this is, they just want my money. I know how churches are. If you're thinking that, hold that thought. I'm going to come back to you in just a moment. But here's what we're starting today. For the next 90 days, we're going to start a generosity challenge. Matter of fact, when you walked in this morning, there's a card sitting on your seat. I want everybody to grab that in here, even if you're a first-time guest. If you've been here a thousand times, there's a little cardstock in there that says the 90-day generosity challenge. And I want you to look at it. You might need night vision if you're in the back row. 
We believe everybody here can take a next step. So if you go to citylightsac.org 90 days, you can find out more information about it. But basically, what's in your hand there is this. We want everybody that calls this place home to take a next step. If you're here for the first time, you're thinking, man, I, I kind of like this church. I want you to know just on the front end what's expected. Like, we're a church that's moving. We're not here to be stagnant. We're not here to be still. We've got a mission, and we can't stop going because there's people that need Jesus. So everybody in here has a next step of obedience. And you're going to see on there that for some people, your next step, look at the card while I'm talking to you. So just make sure you, you see it. Your card, the very first one is, hey, I'm going to give for the first time. I've been coming to City Lots, and I, and I want to give, and I'm kind of scared, but I know I've been going around the cycle the wrong way. And I want to give for the first time. And let me tell you two reasons why you should give. The first and foremost is because God has given you so much. But I'm going to be practical with you. If God is feeding you through this ministry, if you're growing, if it's been a blessing to you, then you give back through that which feeds you. Amen? So maybe for you, some of you are like, hey, you know what? My first, I'm just going to give for the first time. I'm going to give for the first time, and I'm going to trust God to provide. The next one is this. The next one is you're going to say, the next box on there is, I'm going to begin giving a percentage of my income regularly. And so maybe you're that first person. Like, I've given, you know, for the first time, and I give from time to time. But I'm going I'm to begin regularly giving a percentage of my income. Now, here's a hold up because there's a tension. You're like, hey, God said give 10%. Now you're saying just a percentage? Well, we're a church that's all about next steps. And what I understand is that some of you today, you may physically, reality, may not be able to give 10% because you've been going around the cycle the wrong way. What we want to do as a church with you is help you start somewhere and let's help you get going around the right cycle, understanding what God wants from you, but that he'll meet you where you are. And Paul says, let's give eagerly. So maybe your next step is, I'm going to commit to giving a percentage today. The next step of it is, I'm going to commit to giving 10% regularly. I've been giving a percentage regularly. God's been good to me. I'm ready to take that next step. And I want to do that. And then last but not least, there's on there that says, I want to begin giving above my 10% regularly. And I want you to hear the word that we use in there. Regularly. Regularly. To be consistent. Because let me tell you what this church needs if we're going to continue to impact the community. This is what's expected of people. We don't do a membership class here. We just ask you to really sign the covenant in your heart. We think that those who call this place home, it involves your time, your talents, and your treasures. It's not good enough to just come and sit. We want you to be speaking life for this church. We want you to be investing into this church emotionally, spiritually, serving where you can, using your talents, hosting something, and then also giving through us. So there's literally, there's a next step for every single person in here. And I want to ask you to take that step today. And when you leave here, you're going to drop it off in this bucket over here. And we're going to celebrate with you today. And we're going to know that our God is on the move. That we're a church that's not stagnant, that's not laying down, we're moving. That we would be like the church in Macedonia. And people say, man, that church is crazy, ridiculous up there. Their faith is as bold as a lion. They give out of what they have. They give more than they even have. It's ridiculous. Do you understand? Listen to me. This is a moment that could be stopped in time if you understand the severity and seriousness of what I'm talking about. We have the opportunity at City Lights Church to be a part of something bigger than you've ever done in your life. More than you've ever seen in your life. And I'm asking you this morning as your pastor, for those that this is your home church, the, those who say you are my pastor, I'm asking you to join us on mission and say, God, I'll do it. I want to take part of this challenge, not because the church needs your money. Let me be very, very clear with you. We want this for you. We don't want this from you. And I'm so convinced of that, that here's the deal on this generosity challenge. You're going to be able to give online, and you can just mark Generosity Challenge, starting for those of you who are going to give next week, or if you're like, hey, I'm going home and giving today. And here's what's going to happen. At the end of the 90 days, hear me very clearly on this. My fingers aren't crossed. My toes aren't crossed. My shoes are too tight to do that. We'll give you every single penny back at the end of the 90 days. Every single penny. Hey, every single penny. 
We'll give it back to you. If God doesn't keep his word and pour out his favor on you. Now, you've got to be a good steward. You can't be like giving and spending $700 a month on lottery tickets trying to compensate what you gave. And then let me say this. If you're skeptical of guys like me that are good looking and have beards, I'm kidding. But seriously, if you're skeptical of guys like me, if you're skeptical of churches like this, then I want you to begin tithing or giving a percentage of your income to another church. That's how serious I am. Because my wife and I, we have experienced Malachi 3.10. I know there are people in this church that give faithfully. We've had conversations about different needs. And I'm so convinced that this is something you need to begin doing, that if you don't trust me, then you give to somebody else's church for the next 90 days. The only rule on that is, though, don't come to me on January 1st saying, hey, I need my money back, man, okay? Because that won't work here. But I'm being dead serious about this. This is not something that we just want from you. We want you to experience God's favor. We want this for you. So I want to ask you today, church, everybody in here can take a step. Everybody can. And I'm asking, will you? This is your day. This is your time. And you take whatever step is next for you. That's what we want as a church, is to help people take next steps. And let me end with this right here. I told you we would come back to it. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5. Paul told them, he said, hey, listen, they even did more than we had hoped. And this is what I believe, that today when we tally everybody that joined this, that we're going to have to go buy a new printer ink because I'm going to have to send out a lot of letters. They even did more than we had hoped. Listen, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord. Let me tell you, church, the greatest thing you could do today is not check a box, but is receive the cross. And I know that. And you better know that I know that. That's more important than anything you could give that you would receive what's already been given. That's what they did. And Paul said, hey, listen, their first action was to submit themselves to God. If you're here today and you've not done that, that's what you need to do. That's your next step. But if you're here and you say, hey, I'm a Christ follower and I'm growing in my faith, then what happened next is this. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us. And Paul is saying they submitted themselves to the pastoral authority that God had placed in their lives. And I'm saying, hey, you don't give yourself to me. You give yourself to him. I help you get holy. He makes you happy. But I'm saying, listen to my teaching. Let me be an encourager for you. Let me walk with you. For those allow me to have the influence over you, let me be your spiritual leader and guide you in this. But your first step today is this, if you don't know him. So here's what I want to do as we close. I want you, your family, or whoever, to make a decision today. Will you just make the decision today that, God, I want your blessing. I'm not going to do this so I get it, but I know that when I do this, I get it. And I just want to take that step because you've been so good to me. Whatever your next step is, and listen, we're not a church that says, hey, you know, you've got to go from crawling to running. Babies don't do that. So if you're growing in your faith and you're crawling, we don't expect you to begin giving 20% today. This is about your decision. I'm going to help you walk through it. We're going to encourage you, and we're going to do this together. And this is the last thing I'm going to say, because I'm fixing to get on a tangent is we believe that what God wants from us, we can achieve with just the people in here. And what I mean by that is we want to be a church that starts other churches, that makes disciples, that goes on mission trips. We want to be active, not still. And we know that part of us for our mission is, is we need to purchase a permanent home that we can minister out of. Listen, that is not, that is not the end of who we are. It will help us get to where we want to be. But I've had a couple of people say to me things like, Pastor, I think we should, let's do a bake sale, let's do a yard sale, let's do a garage sale. Hear me very clear on this, and I'm being very serious. We're not baking any cookies to sell. However, I love chocolate chip cookies, and I would love to have some in between the first and second service. But we're not baking cookies. We're not baking muffins. We're not having yard sales. Listen to me, church. I mean, I'm very serious on this. We're not going to our community for the money when God's put his people right here to build his house. 
So will you make a decision today to follow him, to trust him? I want you to do that for yourself. So I want you to experience his goodness. And for those who take a next step, I'm going to celebrate with you. I'm going to contact you this week. And we're going to just step into We're stepping into a new season. I don't know if you can feel this. Our church is transitioning. We're, we're here four weeks. We're, we're stepping to a new season. We're as big as we've ever been. We're bigger than you know or you can see in this moment right now. And I want you to be a part of it with me. Will you pray with me? God, our Father who art in heaven, how, how holy is your name, Lord. And we pray right now that your kingdom come, that your will would be done right here in this room, right here in this room as it is in heaven. And we know that we're rich, Lord, but we even pray to help our perspective. Give us today our daily bread. God, give us today what we need. And anything else extra, we know we're rich. And so this morning, Lord, we've come to battle the enemy, and we want to debunk the lie. We don't want to live the lie that it's my money. No, God, you give every good and perfect gift. You give us the ability to to work and to provide and to have. And so, God, we want to live by the cycle of promise. Today, many of us are going to dedicate and commit to the cycle of promise and that we're going to step out in faith and take a next step with you. And whatever those steps are, Lord, I pray that you're speaking to your people now and that they know and that they would just take the pen and be bold and claim that audacious faith, Lord, God, and begin living in the promises that you're going to open up a floodgate, a blessing on them. And our church is going to have ridiculous faith and irrational generosity. And we're going to be this church in this community that people look at and say, man, God must be with them. God must be in that place. And God, we will give you the glory and honor for it all. It's in Jesus' name we pray, we believe, and we seek. Amen. Hey, church, if you received that this morning, can you celebrate God's word? Hey, this is Pastor Peyton. I just want to say thanks for checking in with us this morning. If you're listening via podcast or iTunes, we're so grateful that you're connecting with us. If you've been blessed through this ministry, would you send us your story to mystory@citylightsac.org? We would love to know how God is moving in you, how we can be praying for you and connecting with you. Thanks again and join us next week.